Hello, hello. Thank you for coming back for another episode of the podcast. This episode features Christoph Trapp, content marketer, host of the Business Storytelling Podcast, also author of the book, Content Performance Culture. Christoph and I talked about how to be efficient when it comes to content creation and getting the most out of your content. Christoph also consults businesses and he has some tips if, if you're a content strategist or you, or you help other businesses with their content. You know, he, he talks about how to best help those clients looking to change their own content performance culture and maybe also what clients to stay away from. Uh, we talk a little bit about live streaming. Christoph live streams almost every episode of his podcast, and he's well over the 200 episode mark at this point. So we chat about that, including Amazon Live, which I think you'll find interesting, especially if you're thinking of using that particular platform. If you're looking to up your content strategy at your own business, I, I definitely think you can get something out of this one, like I mentioned, especially if you're looking for ways to be more efficient with what you're creating. Christoph is so great with getting the most out of his work. And without further ado, here he is, Christoph Trapp. All right, Christoph Trapp, thank you so much for, for being a part of the podcast. How's it going? Doing great. How about you? Doing just fine. Doing just fine. Um, so first, you know, I, I just, you know, you are, uh, so so for folks that, that aren't familiar with Christoph, he's, you know, I think what I most, I see his name most on is the Business Storytelling Podcast, um, which you have uh, amassed, I know, well over 200 episodes at this point. But can you give a, give a little bit of an introduction? Just tell us who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, you bet. I'm a content marketer. Uh, currently run content strategy at Vox Pop Me, uh, video research basically for um, brands and uh, marketers and, and, and anybody that needs to do research. Um, and of course, I got the business storytelling podcast, uh, still publishing daily, which is interesting, um, you know, a month out. So lots and lots of uh, episodes in the hopper. As you can see, I'm a planner. Published my th third book earlier this year, Content Performance Culture. Um, always interested in how do we create better content, how do we stay relevant, um, and how do we try new channels. So I'm always excited to see, to talk to people like you, and of course you were a guest on my show, you know, how do you do live streams, how do you do better podcasts, how do you do video podcasts, and video podcasting, it will become a thing on Spotify and other channels before we know it. It's not open for the public yet, but it will be at some point, I mean, no doubt in my mind. I love that. And yeah, I think that's probably part of the reason, too, why I think I started a podcast, or at least something I'm finding a great benefit to is just learning so many things from so many different people. Um, and so, wow, you you listed off a lot there, books, <laughs> uh, uh, podcasts, all the other content marketing work you do, the research for, for companies. I mean, how do you how do you do it all? How do you how do you fit all that in? Well, first of all, you can't do everything, right? You have to figure out, you pick your battles, and you have to find the best technology um, to use. So I'll give you an example. When it comes, I do a live stream, I actually just did one right before the recording, and so the live stream is already live. And, and the other thing that happens with the live stream is it takes the thing, the, the mindset out of people that we can edit, because we can't, because we're live. So the whole people, all the people that are nitpicky, you know, that kind of goes out the window because it's already live. Um, then I put it on the podcast channels. Then I write an article sometimes from it. Um, so I try to integrate everything everywhere as much as possible. 
Yeah, I've noticed that. It's um, I, I like you know, and, and your your website, authenticstorytelling.net. Um, you know, yeah, I love how you you kind of turn all the podcasts into a little bit longer form articles, pulling quotes from the podcasts and, and get them up. I, I love that um, integrated <laughs> approach. And, you know, when I first, so you mentioned earlier, I was on your um, podcast, uh, it's been maybe a couple months back now. I, when I was first asked to join, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to, let me to do a little bit of research. Um, the, the folks at Switcher sent me a link to, to some of your work and, you know, first thing I noticed was just look at all. You know, so so many posts, uh, not just on the website, but then I go to the Twitter and I'm like, I think this. I saw like 20 tweets a day or something like that. So, how are you? You know, so so clearly you have a very high post frequency, and and this all goes into the the integrated aspect of it. But you know, how are you kind of managing all of the publishing side of this stuff? Yeah, so first of all, so on social, I use Buffer, right? I mean, it's just, there's like 10 posts a day, roughly. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not the right number. Uh, that's I think that's what it is. Um, and, you, you know, you just, every time I have something to say, I put it in the queue, and it goes at the end of the queue, and uh, it's usually full, 100, 100 posts. That's the plan I have uh, with Buffer. Um, when it comes to blogging, you know, I, I, I cut that back a little bit, so now I do about one article a week. Um, sometimes it's a shorter article, like I, I blogged about, the AirPods one um, wasn't working, and I'm pretty sure it's going to perform just because a lot of people search for that kind of stuff. Um, and it's like 300 words, and nobody will care, right? Um, and uh, yeah, so you just have to tie it all together and, and um, find ways to get it done. Um, you know, sometimes, as Seth Godin said on my show, he said, you know, I publish an article every day. Sometimes they're not very good, sometimes they're really good. And But at the end of the day, I publish something every day. And so I don't publish every day, but some things are really good, some things are not. So that's kind of how it goes. And how, you know, that's interesting about the, you know, I did see the article on the uh, the AirPods and how, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. So, and I'd be curious just kind of what your, like kind of content idea process looks like. Because I feel like, you know, that would be something where like, oh, you, you experienced that issue. It's, oh, other people might be experiencing this problem too. Maybe I could, maybe I should write an article about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened And all the search results. They, um, they kind of said what I said, but they didn't, they weren't very specific, quite frankly. They said, clean them. But what does that mean? Right? Like, how do you clean them? I don't know. Like you really just blow on them. So, you know, I tried to kind of set, to set myself apart by just being more specific. And that's a good way to do that. Um, I run across ideas all the time. I just did a show earlier. Um, uh, I did a podcast recording um, with Elaine Lindsay, and I don't usually do show notes. I don't usually do articles for specific podcasts unless it's a topic. So I will not do a. Uh, I will not do an article saying podcast episode two seventy nine with Elaine Lindsay, blah blah blah. That, I'm not doing that. But she said two things that I already have articles on. So what I will do is I will actually take her podcast and a few quotes and put the right quotes into the right articles. And so I will enhance those articles and then I will repurpose them and reshare them. Um, you know, if if they haven't never performed, I might rewrite them. Um, depends how old they are. If they're four years old and they, they are not performing, might as, well, might as well totally, you know, not start from scratch, but update them. Um, and the other one, I know one performed pretty well, but now it's another, we have another expert in there. So then I'm going to share it with her and she'll probably link to it. So I don't always create new just because 
that's in our heads. We have to create new. Sometimes it's easier just to, you know, update what you have. But the ideas come from everywhere, you know, like, you know, we're talking. I might have an idea from from this podcast. Like, for example, one idea might be, you know, we should talk about how do you decide whether you should record the podcast or you should just go live. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you decide? I don't know. I usually go live for some and I when I don't go live, I don't record audio. I don't record video because I'm like, I'm not going to use the video unless I go live. So why do I need to? Um, so that's the whole that's the story right there. I bet people are wondering about that. Absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, just curious with the you know, when you do go back to maybe older articles and uh, enhance them a little bit, that's so they're they're not necessarily going back to the top of your most recent article list. They're, you'll, you'll just then take those and, and share them again, share them with the people that you then inserted quotes for and stuff like that. No, and I do push them to the top as well. And then usually I put a note at the bottom and say, this was updated, blah, 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 whatever. Um, sometimes if they're not performing, so what I do is I look at the top, I don't know what it is, top 40% or something or 50%. And if they're not in the top 50 after three years, they're probably never going to perform and I just kill them and I'll use part of the content and I update it. And sometimes, you know, if it's four years ago, I don't like my tone. I don't like my voice. So I'll just, you know, I might scrap it completely and start from scratch. So, yep. And I want to go back to you um, live streaming uh, your your podcast or at least most of them. Um, why, you know, in, in, of course, you know, in addition to, to just kind of I guess getting video out of it through through streaming. What are the the benefits of um, going live with your podcast interviews? Yeah, so the benefit that I see is you you get on multiple channels. So I do that, and I think you do the same thing. Uh, I use Switcher to produce it, and then I use Restream to push it to all the different channels. And I go to you know YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, uh, Twitch. I just do that because so I can say Twitch. It uh, doesn't really work that well, but it's kind of unique and different. Um, and then what else? Facebook, um, LinkedIn. So realistically, all those things would take a lot of time if I would create separate videos to put them on LinkedIn by on its own. First, I got to create it. Then I got to upload it. It's just it's so many more steps. Um, YouTube, same thing. Like I was talking to Pam Dinner the other day, and, and I said, you know, YouTube doesn't really like it's not a ton of views, but at least it's there right um, and it, it doesn't take me any extra work to get it there um, could I put more effort into YouTube maybe but so doing the live stream helps you get onto all those channels and the other thing people have to remember it's not just a live stream it exists for a long time after right so so for example if I have a hundred views on the live stream on, on, on Twitter you know, it could go up to 1,300 views on the replays, you know, and that, that's been the best ever, I think. And then, so I'm, I'm trying to maximize the reach, and since it's relatively easy, I don't care if one or two channels don't perform because it didn't take me any more work other than clicking two, two toggles, you know, to send them to two other channels. One thing I like about YouTube, too, <clears> I think <throat> it's, you know, when you're when you're sharing those videos with guests or others, YouTube is very easily embedded into other websites and whatnot, which mm -hmm. is which is nice. I also noticed uh, Periscope is going away, and I remember you know during our uh, the the podcast that I was a part of, you had mentioned that that was you know kind of your preferred at least streaming platform, and so yeah. and, and not that necessarily Twitter streaming is going away, right? It's just Periscope going away. 
just Periscope. And Periscope is owned by Twitter anyways. It's kind of silly because most of the people that watch my Periscopes, they're watching on Twitter anyways. So it's it's a little bit, you get a little bit of no- nostalgia going on or whatever, you know, from my end because I, I, I love Twi- uh, Periscope when it first came out. It wasn't integrated. So I say Periscope, but realistically, it's been Twitter for the last three years, even though there's still an app called Periscope where people couldn't watch it. But I think most of them watch it on Twitter. Yeah, and until you said that, I had totally forgotten there was a Periscope app separate yeah. out there, even though if you're going live on Twitter, you have to have the app somewhere. Um, and, and you know, another streaming platform I know you've been trying lately is Amazon Live. How, I guess, what are your, and I, I know that that's kind of fairly fresh for you. What are your initial thoughts on that? I was struggling at first when I wanted to go on there because I, I was like, oh, let's just do like Black Friday. And I was like, what do I talk about? Like, I'm not a, you know, salesperson. I just like, hey, check out this product, Look, blah, 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 whatever. And so I had to kind of reframe how I think about it because I have to um, talk about things that are relevant to what I typically talk about. And so that, so I, I have done that. So here's what I do. When I have a guest on the podcast that has a book, we will also live stream to um, Amazon Live. And so what I've done, I have a feed where I, you can put 40 items up in your feed on Amazon Live at a time. So when they have a book, I put their book first and I highlight it, I feature it because we're talking about that topic. And then my book is usually the second one. And then everybody else, I push them, I keep pushing them down one more until they rotate off. And so I just use that to um, to basically another live stream platform. If they don't have a book, we don't go there. I don't force it. Um, <clears throat> every once in a while I thought about, oh, what's a good book? But it's kind of a stretch, you know? It's like, oh, I like Joe Polizzi's book. Okay, so we'll highlight Joe. No, it's we're not talking to Joe, even though Joe is great and that he's been on the show a couple times. But, you know, that's too far of a stretch. The other thing I've done, um, I find other products, you know, you can maybe not see it. See, I can show it to you. I don't know if you. So I got this new chair, and this is like a gaming chair, <clears throat> and it's awesome. So we did, my, my six-year-old and I, we did like a, um, you know, an Amazon Live just talking about how it is, how it works, blah, blah, blah. And, and so that was just, we bought that. And then the other thing is, so then I did a couple sponsored ones um, for vacuum cleaners, which is kind of, it's a little bit of a stretch. But it's not because I'm working at home, everybody else is home. And how do I vacuum clean and keep this place really nice without having a vacuum clean? So I did a live stream on these um, vacuum robots, which I run them every day now. Seriously, it's crazy. It's like an obsession. And my floor (laughs) is just wonderful. So but anybody that works at home might care about that. It's a little bit of a stretch. I don't typically talk about that kind of stuff. But now since we work at home, it's it's a, you know, it's on the edges of, of what we all do. Yeah, it's all kind of how you position it. I know, I think kind of just the, uh, I got to catch some of your Black Friday Amazon stream. And, you know, I kind of like the, the, you know, positioning of like, these are all of the tools and equipment I use at home. Also, you know, the book and I, all, all that stuff I saw. But like you said, it is relevant for the time. Um, how can we get the most productivity out of out of the work we're doing at home? Exactly. And what was, oh, and and so you know, it, I guess at least as of right now, um, 
I guess if, it, if there's not really a product involved, maybe Amazon Live doesn't make sense for the stream. It doesn't, right? Then yeah. I wouldn't do it unless there, unless there's a product, you know. Then then um, then we won't go there. So you know, aside from you know the the work you're doing on the podcast, so so talk a little bit more about. I mean, you so you are kind of like a content marketing consultant in a way for for larger businesses. Well, I do that sometimes, but full time, my day job is a Vox Pop me. So basically. Uh, run their content strategy, you know, and they do. Um, it's a it's a SaaS company, um, a video platform to get customer insights through video, right? So you pick up your phone, and instead of doing a survey, you just say, um, "What do you like about the business storytelling podcast?" And I say, "I love it because Christoph has the best um, hairstyles, for example." And if somebody, <laughs> if, if for those that are for those that are just listening to this and and don't know. Uh, Christoph, I mean, full full head of hair on him. <laughs> I'm bald. <laughs> um, so uh, you threw you threw me off there, Christoph. That was a <laughs> that was a good one. Um, so if you so in 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 any of your um, you know if somebody does come to you for some some content marketing consulting okay. or they you know say take a look at my my site and kind of you know give me some recommendations. What is the what's the first thing you're usually asking people or you know what's the first thing you're usually kind of talking about when you go through stuff like that yeah so i mean first of all what are you trying to accomplish you know it's also interest it's also good to know you know what are they like um what are the expectations and i'll you know totally honest uh, the the ones the, the clients i don't work with are the ones that do something like this hey what would you do um to help us with marketing and i can give you some ideas but i can't roll out a marketing strategy in in five minutes and if that's their expectation, probably not a good client, quite frankly. And then the worst clients are the ones that after four minutes interrupt me and say, well, we only have one more minute. And like, it's like, you know, I go to my financial guy and say, hey, how, let's move over my 401k. And he's like, oh, that's not a 30 second discussion. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a conversation you have to get there, um, but you have to figure out what are they trying to do? Is it a good fit? Um, how can you help them? Um, how can you help them within their budget? Um, and so kind of that's where I typically start. Um, and, you know, there's there's so many there's there's some similarities in, in most problems that companies face. But there's also differences because, you know, the what's interesting, it's it's a problem, but it's also great about digital marketing. Everybody kind of makes up their own little um, areas. Right. So some teams have totally different roles than other teams. Now, they, as I said in the book, they all kind of fall into certain categories, but how it's exactly implemented changes. You know, I mean, think about it. Like some people, they have a webinar manager. Some people do this. Some people do other things, right? And it's uh, it's kind of an interesting area. And and you also see that when you talk about um, who's on your team. And some teams have directors of content, but those directors of content are really just writers. Right. So why are they a director of content at another company? They might be leading a team of 12 people. Do you know what I mean? So it's like there's all these differences in how people are implementing um, kind of the similar thing. So you got to figure out how can you help them? What's the problem? Um, what are you trying to accomplish um, and, and see if you want to do it, um, especially when you help people with consultative advice. Sometimes they're just looking for somebody um, that you know can be in charge of that area. It, that's really a thing, right? If it doesn't work, 
who can they blame? And that's going to be you. And so if that happens, just, you know, make sure you get the right, right price tag on it so you can help them. You can help them have a chance to make it work. But, you know, that happens. And I'm sure every job is different. But, you know, after those initial conversations and, and you know, when you <clears throat> kind of hand over your your recommendations i mean what are you what are you giving people are you or is it i'm sure it comes in all forms is it presentations is it like here's a playbook yeah it comes in all forms the biggest thing is with a playbook uh, you, you have to still implement it right i mean you can't just say here's our strategy and now we never look at it again it's an evolving thing especially you remember with covid i mean stuff changed you know and march 12th everything blew up if you had a conference the next week your conference was not going to happen anymore so, you know, all these things um, change. So it all depends. I do like to put it to people in writing so they can implement it. Uh, but but the other, here's the other problem with just handing over documents is it's like the NFL. How many, you know, they come up with this game plan, but it only works for the first 10 plays. And then it's totally thrown out the window. Some guy who wasn't even looking that great on tape is all of a sudden blowing him up on one side or something like that. You know what I mean? They didn't plan for it, so now they got to change it. So at the end of the day, I can tell you you have to lose weight, but until you cut your calorie intake, you're not going to lose any weight, the end, right? So make sure if you're going to pay somebody to help you with strategy that you can actually, um, that you're actually planning on implementing it. And you mentioned um, your book as well, and you mentioned it at the top, but um, the or at least the latest book. And can you just talk a little bit about the you know what that is and, and kind of what folks will, can can get out of it if if they read it? Yeah, content performance culture. So basically, everybody wants content to perform, even when they claim it, uh, they don't really care. At the end of the day, they will ask, "Oh, is it performing? Is it working?" Uh, in fact, it goes so far. When Jason falls, I just published that a little bit ago here on our podcast. He said, "Hey." Set up your own UTM, um, you know, parameters and a Bitly link, and then you know if it's working or not. So even if the client doesn't track it, you know, so you can go back and say it's working because, and even if they don't ask, they will still wonder at some point. Um, so the book talks about how do you implement a content performance culture, and the way it works is you really have to have the right culture. You have to have the right people in the right seats. You have to have the, uh, you know, all those things in place. Um, and you have to allow people to actually create content. Um, and even if you don't create new content, you do have to update existing content. You have to repurpose content. So that's, I talk about that in the book. I cover a couple new um, areas. There's a big chapter on podcasting in there. Um, I should go back to that because there's been a lot of things I've learned even in the last year that are probably not even in there um, and, and updated. Maybe version um, two comes out next year. We'll see, um, 2021. I talk about virtual reality video, which is easier than ever to produce, um, you know, so I'll give you some ideas how to do that. Um, and yeah, so it kind of tries to help you understand how do you move forward. Um, and, you know, there was just a review file the other day. They talk about Christoph walks you through everything from the typo to something else to something else. That's another thing. You make a typo, go fix it. I'm not saying make typos on purpose. Get off my back. Hold the hold the hate mail, don't tweet at me, don't at me, <laughs> right? Don't slide into my DMs. I'm not saying do a typo on purpose, but if you have a typo, big deal. Don't stress on it, fix it. The, the example I give in the book, Cathay Pacific had uh, misspelled their own name on an airplane, 
So, and they just tweeted it and basically said, whoops, this one has to go back to the shop. Um, and beautiful. seriously, you have a typo on your website, that's going to cost you much less to fix than having to take an airplane back to the shop, which <laughs> might not even be in the same city. You might have to fly there. So now it costs money in gas, you know, to fly the plane back to Tulsa from wherever, somewhere else. I don't, I don't know. That's not Cathay Pacific, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yes, and and you know you mentioned all of these forms of content, podcasting, VR now, um, of course, website. It is easy, I think, to to get overwhelmed by it all. You know, I know me personally. You know, sometimes I feel like I need to. It, it's been hard for me to put give give my attention to one thing. You know, like I want to start this podcast. Let me. You know, but then in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I have video. I'm, I want to get it on YouTube. I need to have a, a presence on LinkedIn, and uh, oh, I need you know now I need to update my website. You know, it's it's easy to 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 get overwhelmed by it all, and I I, I don't know. I can see where that mm -hmm. would kind of force people to shut down a little bit. You know, um, is it is it important to kind of you know, try to try to focus on one thing at a time and, and maybe other things will come. I mean, what do you think about that? Maybe other, these other things will come. I don't know. Um, but what I try to do is what's the way that I can do something to be most efficient? And that's why I love the live streaming to multiple channels. Um, the problem with LinkedIn is, first of all, you got to apply to, you know, to be on LinkedIn. Um, so you might not even get in there right away if, you know, so, but, but apply. All they can do is turn you down. Um, but find the easiest way to do all these things. Um, I would not start with a live stream, on, uh, uh, quite frankly. If I was doing it by myself, my first podcast, I wouldn't. My first podcast, I recorded in the Anchor app, and I still use Anchor today. Um, and I just, it was just me talking, right? Like walking around the trail or whatever, the track. And, and I would just, it was just me. I was just playing around. My first episodes are horrible. Um, but anyway. I just tried it, right? Then I had the channels where Anchor would send them automatically. Then once it got going, I expanded to all the other channels, you know, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. And you do want to be on Amazon Music because if you ask Alexa to play your podcast, that's where it's pulling it from. Not really hard to do, you know, I'm on Pandora, um, Apple. All, so anyway, you just add to the, the fray. And then at some point I added live streams. And live streams at the beginning were super stressful because, you know, I push all the buttons and I'm also doing the talking, interviewing. So it's kind of stressful the first couple times you do it, you know, especially the, the fancier you get, um, the, the harder it can be. Um, but really, I'm not a fan of saying, oh, let's just do one thing because you're, you're not setting yourself up to be successful. So if I say this, right, if I go, oh, we're doing a live stream, it goes to all these channels. Then it goes to 20 podcast channels. Then I'm doing an article. Then I'm doing social media. Then I'm doing an email campaign. Then I'm doing a paid campaign. Like, if I literally can't make any of those work, like, I have to have some success somewhere. And and some people, again, don't at me, right? Like, they're going to say, well, you're just throwing stuff at the wall. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just being efficient, right? I'm still being strategic. I'm still being uh, efficient with my content. I use the cope model. And, you know, that's kind of how you can set yourself up to success. Um, I'll give you one example of what happened. Um, I was at Staymates and we did, this is so long ago now that, so now you can do a webinar, you can just live stream with one device, right? But this is so long ago, we had like four devices on different tripods, um, you know, broadcasting to different networks. Uh -huh. So, but basically 
you know, it went through all these networks, and Periscope had like 10,000 views. Now, granted, not all of them were relevant views, but some of them were because it was 10,000, you know? So my point is, we would have never been able to do that if we didn't just do it, if we didn't just try it. Now, again, it wasn't as efficient as it is as today, you know, because you need four devices for every network, one, and you still kind of do for Instagram, even though there is <laughs> ways around it that I don't, I'm not a big fan on. Like, you know, yeah, there's some apps out there, but um, set yourself up to succeed. And that's how you do it, in my opinion. And I'm glad you mentioned equipment too, because I mean, it really, to produce a quality podcast today <clears throat> doesn't take a lot of money, you know, and, and a lot of equipment, uh, you know, what is, what are you, what are you using? So all I use, honestly, whether I do um, live streams or even the, just the recorded audio, I use this usually, even though now Switcher came out with uh, AirPod support. So I might start using that. I didn't want to test it today necessarily. Um, but, you know, on the Anchor app, I just use AirPods. Sounds great for the most part. Every once in a while, there's a hiccup. Um, and then I use my iPad. That's uh, what I'm looking at right now. It's on a tripod. Tripod costs like I don't know, 18 bucks, maybe 22 bucks, something like that. And then I got a ring light on the top, which if I look up, you can kind of see it in my lights. <laughs> but um, that's not even my ring light. That's my daughter's, you know. So I use it when, when I go live. I probably could buy a better one, but it does the trick. She doesn't use it um, when I'm doing something. And that's really it. Um, yeah, that's that's basically all I use. And then I got the computer for the Restream um, distribution and I look at that and I you know I, I try not to look at every network it gets kind of um, overwhelming when you look at every network and try to answer comments so if I see some pop up I'll try to respond on air but um, but you, you can't do everything so it's I mean as you said the, the iPad wasn't just bought to live stream so I use it for all kinds of other things um, so the cost is actually pretty minimal right and I, I just a, a couple more things I want to touch on here before I let you go. You mentioned, just briefly mentioned keynoting earlier, and that's something else I noticed. Um, you know, you uh, do keynote events here and there, and have you know what has it been like in in the COVID environment? You know, keynoting. I, I know I'm sure like a a high of keynoting is being in front of a crowd and, and kicking off an event or, you know, kind of being the start of a, a big event. What is, and now, you know, here we are in a, in a virtual uh, world. What is, you know, how, how has that kind of transition been when it comes to any of the keynote work you do? I mean, it's not the same. I've given a couple of keynotes this year, one in Istanbul, one in, um, uh, let's see, Istanbul, Singapore, uh, I think that may be it, but it's not the same. I'm in the same spot right here. I don't get on a plane. I don't enjoy the trip. I don't see Istanbul, right? I go upstairs and see my <laughs> family, even though the Singapore one was at 10.30 p.m. my time, so kind of late. Uh, it's not the same. I mean, it, and, and you know, fewer and fewer people, I think, are tuning in. I think it's harder because we're on meetings all day long to begin with, right? Who wants to go on one more meeting? And that's really what it is. And I actually did write about um, the overabundance of uh, PowerPoints on virtual. And what's interesting to me about that is, so we're um, split screen right now, so that's good to know, right? But if we had a PowerPoint, um, where's the PowerPoint gonna go? Now I know the answer because you use Switcher and you can make it full screen or you can you know, have it a second screen or whatever. 
but some of these conferences, they have a little picture of me, and then they have the PowerPoint full screen. So it's like, you know, it's not the same because I'm trying to be interactive, but the PowerPoint is like the, the, the overarching thing. And then some conferences, it's just a PowerPoint. You're not even on screen. And what's on a PowerPoint, honestly, that you need to look at for two minutes, right? And there is people, like I remember a guy, Yalif, who used to work at Twitter. Um, he was on a panel with me uh, at IMA a few years ago. And he goes through PowerPoints like this, like every three seconds he's on the next slide. But I don't, like, that's not really my style. But when you, if you do that and if you can pull that off, then it might work. But if you're on a PowerPoint slide, you know, with a stock art image and three bullet points for five minutes, why does the PowerPoint need to be so prominent? Which that didn't used to be a problem with, with offline conferences, right? Because it's usually behind you on the side. Right. So people don't have to look at it, but it's different when you have a screen. I noticed that I, I, I participated in an uh, online or webinar um, a few weeks back and looking at the recording, the, the, like you said, the slides were so prominent and we had so few of them and so little information on them. And our video was like this little box and yeah, you kind of wonder, that's what I kind of like about tools like Switcher Studio and some of the live streaming softwares is at least you can play with, you know, if I needed to bring a slide up, I could still, I could almost do half and half screen if I wanted, or I could, I could do, you know, a big kind of angle my slide in a way that it's, it's large enough for people to read, but you're still kind of center. So, so I, I like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have heard feedback on, on virtual events you know, it's. I, I heard an interesting piece of feedback the other day on this, and, and this may be a little bit of a tangent, but I'd be eager to hear your thoughts. And and uh, I, I was part of a uh, virtual conference um, last week, and some feedback I got on the overall conference. You know, obviously it was it was two days all online, and uh, someone said that they felt like they were able to because of the the um, tools like chat pods and whatnot, they were able to connect better with fellow audience members, like while a, a presentation was going on. And, and, you know, like if you're in person and there's a presentation going on and you're talking mm -hmm. to somebody, it's kind of rude. Uh, you don't, you don't want to network like during a session, but with virtual events, you know, you can, you can do stuff like that. And they were pleasantly surprised at, at how much they were actually able to connect despite being online and not actually seeing anybody in person. I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. It, it is, but I don't know. I, I haven't had that. Um, I haven't had that experience, honestly. Uh, it's just been very different um, connecting with people and you don't run into people and the people you run into. So let me give you this example. So we interact on Twitter, right? So if we see each other in a, in a chat room at a conference, like, who cares? Like we see each other all the time. Like you know what I'm saying. But if we see each other at a conference in person, we might go, "Hey, what's going on?" Hey, you know, if it's five o'clock, we might go have a beer and just hang out for a minute. Very different experience. So I do, as I said in the article, I actually think conferences will advance. It's not going to happen overnight. But so, for example, VR video, I can totally shoot. I've done this before. Uh, I can shoot my presentation in VR. Now, I don't really have the setup for it to be super interesting, right? I mean, there's a treadmill over here. I got an office treadmill, which you may have seen on my Amazon yeah. Live. I got a sofa over here, and then there's a chair. And, but you know, but I could, in theory, 
put a VR camera here and then give a presentation and you can put your head your headset on wherever you are and you can look around where I am. So that so the more we figure that out, it could become more interesting. Of course, the next level now I'm dreaming is you have a headset on the person sitting next to you and you can talk to them. Now we're talking, right? Now that's yeah. I think we're a little ways from that, but but think about that. I mean, that's a different experience. And I mean, you know, you and I chatting in a chat box at a conference while we do it on Twitter all the time, I, it doesn't, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't see that being that awesome or yes. different. Well, and, and so lastly, speaking of just kind of think what things will look <clears> like <throat> moving forward, you know, any, and you mentioned virtual reality being easier than ever to shoot. What is, you know, I, I'm sure there are a lot, this could probably be its own podcast and, and um, I'm sure it will, but what do you, you know, any any big ideas for 2021 or, you know, what do you see kind of blowing up? Is it virtual reality? Is it something else? Well, virtual reality has, you know, had a number of springs or falls or whatever you want to call it. But um, I think it's still too hard for people to consume. Honestly, I have a headset. I never use it for anything. Um, so maybe not next year, but I think it will uh, become more and more common. Right now, there's not enough content. There's some content and some verticals. Um, but I think if you don't do a podcast, if you don't do a live stream, you should at least give it a shot for a year and see if you can hit the market, especially when there isn't a lot of other podcasts talking about that topic. You know, and, and it really can help you get out there. It can help you connect with people. I mean, think about it. Like, we're just having a conversation, right? Once you get and when, once you start thinking about podcasting, like you're just having a conversation. First of all, it is actually uh, it's it's nice because you talk to other people. Second of all, you can learn something. I mean, I did the show with Elaine, and she was talking about Google My Business, and I learned something new about Google My Business, and I was like, oh, I better do that right now. So you always learn something, and then you can you know get it in front of people, and people can actually learn about you and your company. Um, and assuming you're not a jerk. It should help your company, and hope hopefully as as you know twenty twenty one rolls around and the vac the COVID vaccine is more widely available. People, there, there, you know, more and more people will be probably commuting again. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, great time to to start a podcast. Absolutely, but yeah, I got them running all day long. I mean, in the background, you know, it's like my new radio. When I'm writing, not a big fan of them in the background, but. I mean, I do keyword research or something like that. There's no reason I can't have background voices. All right. Well, I think that's a good way to end it, Christoph. Uh, again, thank you so much. And, and just quickly, where where's the best place for, for people to find your work? Yeah, AuthenticStorytelling.net. You can always check it out there. That's my blog. Uh, feel free to connect with me anywhere. Christoph Trapp on uh, C-Trap on Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, Please tell me where you uh, where you saw me or where you heard heard my voice uh, because I hate those messages when people say, uh, "Christoph, I noticed you're human. I'm human too. We have that in common. Let's connect." <laughs> I think you're gonna pitch me, so please don't. <laughs> Appreciate it, Christoph. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much again for listening. If you liked that episode, if you liked any other episode, I'd very much appreciate a rating and review. Again, you can find Christoph at AuthenticStorytelling.net. He's C-Trap 
C-T-R-A-P-P-E on most social media and check them out on the Business Storytelling Podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcasts and pick up that book, Content Performance Culture. It's on Amazon. And please, please be safe, be well, and take care.